Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Prayer House Podcast. Our mission and vision is simple, to spread the gospel and good news to the ends of the world and to do it by building a community whose foundation is Jesus Christ. So welcome to the family. We hope you enjoy this message and that it is a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. I hope everyone can hear me clearly. Such a joy and honor to be here with Prayer House this evening. Thank God for this amazing group of young people with a vision, with the determination to do something for the Lord. You know, I, I just, just want to thank God for the entire leadership, you know, and, and the way things been done and uh, been moved on. You see, it's one thing to see the need, and it's a, another thing to step into that need and just do some, make something happen. We talk to people, everyone's like, I'm waiting for the right opportunity to, for something to happen. But uh, the, the opportunity alone does not do things. When COVID started, everyone had opportunity. But what makes a difference is the opportunity with the right awareness. That's what it makes a difference. And I just want to thank, uh, praise God for the leadership team of uh, Prayer House. They saw the opportunity, they had the right awareness, they jumped in and they started building their wings on their way down and God honored them. And I just, I just want to praise God for this ministry. I praise God for everything you're doing, especially setting apart this month of October to go through this season of uh, mental health uh, related issues, uh, topics related to depression and suicide, a very touchy subject, but very important. So I just thank God for the direction in which this ministry is going and that vision. Um, the topic today given to me is, uh, is guilt, shame, and rejection. Of course, all three components are, we can do a deep dive, so we'll just try to play, do justice with the time that we have. And these are three distinct emotions that we all have experienced in our life in some shape or form. Different ways we experience each, each of these emotions. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever, perfect forever, those who are being made holy. So God in his eternal sacrifice has already made provisions for us to overcome all these three emotional needs. This distinct needs that we're talking about. Yet my experience is, even in, in, the, in the Christian realm, and the many Christians, many born-again Christians, are not fully free from guilt, shame, and rejection. There was someone we just come together in the Lord, and I just want to see how... And I just, we just want to take some time and just encourage you from the word. And let's just dive in. And what I want to do, so we'll just go one by one and let's, let's see how it goes, how God takes us, right? So let's start first talking about the guilt. So often, when you talk to people, people say guilt and shame. You know, guilt, shame, rejection. Guilt, shame, rejection. So guilt and shame are often said in the same words or same statement. But they are distinctly different. Right? Shame says there is something wrong with who I am. But a guilt 
says there is something wrong with what I have done or I am doing. Or perhaps it's something wrong with what I've said, something wrong with what I'm thinking, right? It's, 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 it's a very negative emotion. And uh, we're just uh, doing some research and we're looking at uh, that primary three reasons, a lot of reasons, but we can bracket them into, bucket them into three reasons why people feel guilty. Number one, you know better, right? So where we know what, what we are doing is out of order. We are not, we know there's something we're not supposed to do or we are, we are, we are we were not supposed, we were supposed to do, but we, we did it anyways, all right? So or we didn't, well, something we were supposed to do, we didn't do it, we were not supposed to, we did it. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we feel experience a guilt. And the second reason is like when we know that we cause hurt, harm, or danger to someone. The third reason is when you disappoint or upset someone whom we really love or care about. You know, when you really disappoint someone, they, they, you feel guilty. And actually, I'm a parent. And parents are actually very, very mean when it comes to that. You know, parents especially, they play that guilt card a lot, right? Especially mothers. They will play this guilt card a lot. Look what you make me feel. Look how you make me feel. Look, you, you give me headache, right? How many times have you heard that part? Right? You broke my heart. And suddenly there's a guilt trip that comes in. Like this is trying to put guilt into the mind and hearts of people, right? So especially the children. We play that, parents play that role a lot. But then guilt is something very, very negative emotion that comes in. Because spiritually, when I was thinking about the whole area of guilt, so the guilt, this is, this is how I picture when I talk about the guilt. Uh, we grew up, parents taught us, you have to read your Bible, pray, we want to, we know, we went to the church, we know in the night we want to sit and pray. And now here comes the end of the day, we come to the bed and we start sit to pray and we say, Dear Lord, And all of a sudden, everything that happened throughout the daytime comes to our mind. And we feel so horrible, so guilty, and we're like, you know, God, I really messed it up. I messed it up really bad. I don't think I'm worthy to pray. You know, I can't even pray, but this is what I'll do. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. I'll be a good boy. I'll be a good girl. It's going to be a perfect day. And tomorrow night, I'm going to pray. And next day morning, we wake up and we're like, all right, God, it's you and I. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a victorious day. I'm going to do what you call a victorious Christian living. And tonight, I'm going to pray. Right? And we're excited. We start with a day and, and then life happens. And once the life strikes, Night, you come back to pray, and you're like, ah, man, I messed it up again. We're sitting to pray and are unable to pray. Let me ask you one question. Will God do anything to keep you away from him? Answer is no. So if there is a guilt that keeps you away from God, is that guilt from God or from someone else? You see, God will never do anything to keep you away from him. 
Guilt is one of a very strong negative emotion, a big weapon that enemy uses in the lives of people to keep them away from God. I remember when I was, uh, there have been times where I was sit for the Holy Communion, and I will be sitting in the church and for the Holy Communion with my hands lifted up on my knees, and I'm just worshiping God in the holiest of moments. And I'm just giving him praise for what he has done. And all of a sudden, something that happened 15 years ago, 20 years ago, which I might have asked God for forgiveness around 30 or 40 times, come into my mind and I'm like, oh no. And with the hand that was lifted up, it slowly starts folding and I'm just falling down and I'm like, oh Lord, I'm not even worthy. You see, God will never do anything to keep you away from him. And if there's a guilt that's coming, that's to keep you away from him, trust me, trust in the Lord, for it is not from God. By the way, if there is a, some reminder comes, something work happens in your heart, whether you're reminded of a sin, and you want to fall in the presence of God and ask for forgiveness, that's not guilt, that's conviction. And that is from God. So many a times we, we take that guilt and just live by it. But, you know, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Isaiah 61, 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. You see, it goes on to say, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You see, there are two things here. What Isaiah says that, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has arrayed me with robes of righteousness. He talks about garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. Many Christians here tonight that are hearing the voice, many in our community, we have covered ourselves with garments of righteousness, garments of salvation, but has somehow missed out covering with themselves, ourselves with a robe of, of, of righteousness. See, it's, when God just put that salvation, it's not just this garment of salvation he gave. We are so sure God saved us. But when we talk about being righteous of the Lord, am I righteous before God? That question is what really haunts. You know, I often ask young people, I say, are you saved? And they say, yes, we are. How many of you, are you saved? Yes, I am. Right, Tom, are you saved? Yes, I am. Remy, are you saved? Yes, I am. Faith, are you saved? Yes, I am. And you ask people, are you saved? Yes, I am. Then I ask another question. Are you are you, tonight, if, are you 100% are you sure you're saved? Tonight, if Christ comes, are you very sure you'll go to heaven? You know, when I ask that question two, three times, are you really saved? You see that slowly, slowly, they're like, you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because what happens is when you're asking there, every, we, have a, we, we clothe ourselves with garments of salvation. But suddenly things realize realization of all the wrongs we have done and now we are really questioning are we really righteous before God 
But what the Bible says very clearly here, he has clothed you. He has covered you with garments of, he has covered you with the robes of righteousness. You see, he has wrapped you, he's totally arrayed you with the robe of righteousness. You see, when you look at the finished work at the cross, the work at the cross was complete. You, we, we need to understand, when we are saved, we call that you and I are righteous. The righteousness is not our own righteousness. Once we are washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, when God the Father looks at us, He looks us through the blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ covers our unrighteousness. And the Lord Jesus Christ, He covers our unrighteousness with His righteousness, and He presents us perfect before God the Father. So now when God sees us through the blood, He looks at us as righteous. He has arrayed us with the righteous. It's not your righteousness, but Christ's righteousness. Righteousness that knows no sin, which has no guilty past, which has nothing to be ashamed of, and we are covered with that righteousness. And once we come with that awareness, come before the Lord, we can stand there without any guilt, without any condemnation. Let's move on. We talk about this. So we talk about the guilt. Then the other thing which I want to talk about is shame. Shame is such a cruel and ugly thing. Shame says there is something wrong with who I am. It questions the very identity of who you are and whom God designed you to be. You know, in fact, uh, growing up in the school, one of the biggest punish way the punish way the teachers used to punish you was like I mean for us it was like punishers was like they will shame you they will shame you in front of the whole class. Hey, here is a guy who did not get the enough grades. Oh, I know what that means. <laughs> you know. So, but you got all this. They will punish you. They will punish you. They will shame you. They will shame you. And there are many things that shames us. Many other things that happen in the childhood can be cause of a shame. Something that we did, we are ashamed of. And it, it just regrets us, right? And, and women or girls in general are harder on themselves in, the, in this area than men are. And I believe it has also got to do a lot with the culture. And the expectations from the culture is different. And that's what clothes people with shame. And many, there are various reasons where we, we are shamed by, we, we carry shame in our life. It could be something that was said, something that was done. But one of the more, the commonest and one of the most common shame, thing that causes shame, the commonest shame in our country, in the Western world, in, 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 even in our community, is the shame of sexual abuse. And the victim of sexual abuse is often left with this awful question. Is there something bad in me that made him do it? Is there something bad in me that this thing happened? And that shame stays with the, the people for too long. And, and you know, and it's only at the cross 
we can let go of this shame. You see, longer you carry shame, harder it is to, to let it go. Fasting is often the last out, especially when it comes to shame. The longer they are carrying that weight, it's harder and harder to let it go. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6 says this in NKJV it says, I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And we know he's talking about Jesus is the death of cross. It's a prophetic utterance of Jesus on the cross. And here he said that I gave my back. He could have, Jesus being the Savior, he could have, he could have called 12 legions of angels to save him. The angels were ready, waiting for him. But he chose a different route. He didn't, he didn't call them, but he gave his back. And on the cross, he bore our shame. He bore your shame. He bore my shame. We don't have time to read the whole passage, but when you read from the Matthew, in the Matthew chapter 27, when you read the whole area of the, from verse 27 onwards, we see the area of the crucifixion at the cross. In verse 28, it says, and they stripped him. Verse 31, it says, and when they had mocked him, they took the rope off of him. And here in this whole passage, in the 27 to 31 itself, we can see at least twice where Jesus was exposed naked. But not just that, when you read down when the 35 and verse 30, 35, he said they crucified him and they said they divided the garment, his garment, his clothing that the clothing they had had, they, they just cast the lot and divided it. They took his clothes away. And verse 36 says, sitting down, they kept watch over him there. You see, sitting down, they watched Jesus hanging on the cross, naked for three hours. When Jesus was on the cross, it's not like the picture was there where there was a cloth covered on the loins. No, but he took that shame. He took that shame all onto himself so that because of that, we don't have to be in shame. Hebrews 12, 2, it says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. You see, what is opposite to the shame? Glory. God suffered shame and he just traded glory. When you read in Hebrews 2.10, it talks about he took our shame and he released the glory. And my brothers, my sister, I want you to know at the cross, you can bring your shame. Jesus paid the price. He took the shame up to himself. And there is a complete healing and restoration for us at the cross, and he be uh, the full forgive, uh, and for the restoration of, of the and releasing where he releases the glory of our life on our life. The third component 
and I'm just looking at the clock. I think you guys need to listen to me a little faster, right? You guys are a little, little slow here, right? So I just realized when I looked at that clock. The third component, rejection. And that's my, that was, that's was a topic where I was planning to spend a little time tonight. And rejection is the deepest wound of the human spirit. Not being loved. Mother Teresa said that not being loved is the worst sickness. Everyone has experiences, right? And rejection, it attacks the very person that we are. It wounds us so deeply, it attacks the very person we are. It attacks our self-esteem, right? It attacks who we are and the purpose in our life. Very unfriendly experience. And God wants us to know how deeply he loves us, accepts us, and appreciates us. You see, devil uses rejection a lot in our lives. There are various sources where the rejection can come in our lives. One, it could be in the, the family, and actually it's uh, one of the big things that happens in the, when you talk about, when you're talking about the family, is actually during pregnancy itself. And uh, it's, uh, when they're during the stress, when the, when the mother is carrying baby during stress, the baby can pick it up in the spirit inside. And that's there onwards that you can, baby experiences it. But in the family, we see the comparison in the family, being born with the wrong gender, or where there's a conditional love and acceptance, that there is harsh discipline in the house, or even when there is no discipline in the house. When there's a failure to communicate loud, there's a death, divorce, there are various reasons in the family that can cause rejection in our life. But the second cause of the rejection is where we talk about the peers from the friends. And the peer pressure is huge. And we all know the peer pressure. You, you can experience, you know what peer pressure is just so that to be part of that group and you're not rejected. Third, we talk about the society. And to meet society's standards and expectations and to do what we were supposed to do it, right? To, so that we can be identified with them. And when we base our identity on somebody or something other than what God's word has to say, it makes us vulnerable to rejection. But I believe the fourth one, big rejection area is self-rejection. And especially, I think especially girls experience it. I, don't, I think boys experience it too, but girls experience it a lot. You know, it's too long or it's uh, too, sh my hair is too short or eye color or the nose is in this shape or whatever it is, right? You made a reason to reject yourself. And what the rejection does is two things. It's in inside and outside. Inside, you, it gets very, you become very passive. You start thinking fantasy, self-pity, loneliness. And there's an urge to fit in for where you make the mistake. But in the outside, it's a rebellion and involved in the occult, wrong friendship, relationship. And a lot of things can go on with this thing. But the remedy for this is in cross. You see, Jesus experienced rejections. The first rejection we see in the Bible is in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve, they rejected God. 
But then from there we look at it, when we come to the cross, it's right when Jesus was about to be crucified, we see that, even before we, we see that in the Luke 23, where Jesus is, Luke 23, where Jesus is brought to the court and people are, people are crying, away with this man, and the judge is asking, whom shall I release? And they said, Barabbas, Barabbas. And they said, what shall we do to this man? And they said, crucify him, crucify him. And we see Jesus, his own people are rejecting him. And as we know at the cross, Jesus hanging on the cross, and he's crying out, and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabakhani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus suffered that rejection. He took that rejection all upon himself. He knows what it means to be rejected. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, cross is the source of healing. For to fight that battle of rejection, there are a few things we have to do. I'm going to wrap it up. There are a few things we have to do. One, we have to ask for forgiveness on our side. First, I ask forgiveness for ourselves, the wrong choices we did. Two, we have to forgive those who hurt us. You have to forgive those who hurt you, otherwise you cannot. The next thing is you have to pray specifically and break the power of rejection. Know that God acknowledges us, and He acknowledges us. In fact, He is seated on the right side of God the Father. And when we come to the presence of the Lord, God says, ah, oh. Jesus says, Father, Father, look, that man, that boy, that girl, Who's praying? She's, she's praying in my name. I purchase with the blood. This is my brother. This is my sister. I accept him. And God acknowledges us, accepts us before God the Father and intercedes behalf of us. Secondly, understand that God is patient with us. He's extremely patient with us. We are the clay in the hands of the potter. When the clay, the potter, when it's marred, it's, he does not throw it out, but chase into the another vessel. And accept yourself for who you are. You know what? Jesus paid the price on the cross for us. And at the cross, in the cross, we have healing and deliverance from every guilt, every shame every rejection. Once we know that we are loved, and that's where we just talk about, especially to the fathers, when we saw, I encourage to fathers and say, give, once the pay kids know that parents love them, especially daughters when they have the love of the father, it's very hard for them to feel rejected. And we need to understand, if you are someone who is missed out on that love, who is experiencing rejection, I want you to know there is somebody who loves you so much, accepts you, acknowledges you, 
who was willing to come down and die and shed the last drop of his blood for your sake. And he says, my son, my daughter, my brother, my sister, I acknowledge you, I receive you, and I will intercede behalf of you before my God the Father. I would like to just close with a word of prayer. And if you are someone who's battling this guilt, shame, rejection, just want to encourage right now, even as you're praying, just talk to the Lord and just bring this before God and say, Lord, here is what I'm fighting, minister, oh God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I seal your people, I seal your children with the blood of Jesus. Father, we just bring forth your sons and daughters, oh God. We are people of Father God, you who created our inmost being. You know us from inside out, oh Lord. You know the pain. You know the shame. You know the guilt. You know what we go through, oh Father God. And I bring my brothers and sisters right now before you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every work of darkness that questions the identity and the purpose in Christ in their lives that questions the garments of righteousness that you have covered them with, O oh Lord. And I rebuke that guilt, shame, rejection, that spirit oh, that grips your people, O oh Father God. I pray your peace will prevail and your love will you'll cover your people with your love, O oh Father God. Even this night, O oh Father God, enable each of your people to experience the warmth of your love and your presence. We humble ourselves before you. To you alone we give all glory, honor, and praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks again for tuning in. We pray over you today that the word of God touched you and transformed you as only his word can. Feel free to leave us a rating or share with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Till then, keep searching and continue to listen for his voice and we'll see you again next time.